0: Section 38 of China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 1, China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific Edited by Ava March Tappan Section 38 How Kublai Khan Went a-Hunting by marco polo the great khan starts off the first day of march and travels southward towards the ocean sea a journey of two days he takes with him full 10000 falconers and some 500 gyrfalcons besides peregrines sakers and other hawks in great numbers and goshawks also to fly at the waterfowl but do not suppose that he keeps all these together by him they are distributed about hither and thither one hundred together or two hundred at the utmost as he thinks proper but they are always fowling as they advance and the most part of the quarry taken is carried to the emperor and let me tell you when he goes thus a fowling with his ger falcons and other hawks he is attended by full ten thousand men who are disposed in couples, and these are called toshil, which is as much as to say watchers, and the name describes their business. They are posted from spot to spot, always in couples, and thus they cover a great deal of ground. Every man of them is provided with a whistle and hood, so as to be able to call in a hawk and hold it in his hand. And when the emperor makes a cast, there is no need that he follow it up, for those men I speak of keep so good a lookout that they never lose sight of the birds, and if these have need of help, they are ready to render it. All the emperor's hawks, and those of the barons as well, have a little label attached to the leg to mark them, on which is written the names of the owner and the keeper of the bird and in this way the hawk when caught is at once identified and handed over to its owner but if not the bird is carried to a certain baron who is styled the bowler gucci which is as much to say the keeper of lost property and i tell you that whatever may be found without a known owner whether it be a horse or a sword or a hawk or what-not it is carried to that baron straightway and he takes charge of it and if the finder neglects to carry his trover to the baron the latter punishes him likewise the loser of any article goes to the baron and if the thing be in his hands it is immediately given up to the owner moreover the said baron always pitches on the highest spot of the camp with his banner displayed in order those who have lost or found anything may have no difficulty in finding their way to him thus nothing can be lost but it shall be incontinently found and restored and so the emperor follows this road that i have mentioned leading along in the vicinity of the ocean sea which is within two days journey of his capital city kambaluk and as he goes there is many a fine sight to be seen, and plenty of the very best entertainment in hawking. In fact, there is no sport in the world to equal it. The emperor himself is carried upon four elephants, in a fine chamber made of timber, lined inside with plates of beaten gold, and outside with Hans skins, for he always travels in this way. On his fowling expeditions because he is troubled with gout. He always keeps beside him a dozen of his choicest gerfalcons and is attended by several of his barons who ride on horseback alongside. And sometimes, as they may be going along and the emperor from his chamber is holding discourse with the barons, one of the latter shall exclaim, Sire, look out for cranes then the emperor instantly has the top of his chamber thrown open, and having marked the cranes, he casts one of his gerfalcons, whichever he pleases, and often the quarry is struck within his view, so that he has the more exquisite sport and diversion there as he sits in his chamber, or he's on his bed, and all the barons with him get the enjoyment of it likewise. So it is not without reason i tell you that i do not believe there ever existed in the world or ever will exist a man with such sport and enjoyment as he has or with such rare opportunities and when he has travelled till he reaches a place called Keshar moden there he finds his tents pitched with the tents of his sons and his barons and those of his ladies and theirs so that there shall be full ten thousand tents in all, and all fine and rich ones. And I will tell you how his own quarters are disposed. The tent in which he holds his courts is large enough to give cover easily to a thousand souls. It is pitched with its door to the south, and the barons and knights remain in waiting in it, whilst the lord abides in another close to it on the west side, when he wishes to speak with anyone he causes the person to be summoned to that other tent immediately behind the great tent there is a fine large chamber where the lord sleeps and there are also many other tents and chambers but they are not in contact with the great tent as these are the two audience tents and the sleeping chamber are constructed in this way each of the audience tents has three poles, which are of spice wood, and are most artfully covered with lion's skins, striped with black and white and red, so that they do not suffer from any weather. All three apartments are also covered outside with similar skins of striped lions, a substance that lasts forever. And inside they are all lined with ermine and sable, these two being the finest and most costly furs in existence for a robe of sable large enough to line a mantle is worth two thousand bezants of gold or one thousand at least and this kind of skin is called by the totters the king of furs the beast itself is about the size of a marten these two furs of which i speak are applied and inlaid so exquisitely that it is really worth seeing All the tent-ropes are of silk, and in short I may say that those tents, to wit, the two audience-halls and the sleeping-chamber, are so costly that it is not every king could pay for them. Round about these tents are others, also fine ones and beautifully pitched, in which are the emperor's ladies and the ladies of the other princes and officers.' And then there are the tents for the hawks and their keepers so that altogether the number of tents there on the plain is something wonderful to see the many people that are thronging to and fro on every side and every day there you would take the camp for a good big city for you must reckon the leeches and the astrologers and the falconers and all of the other attendants on so great a company and add that everybody there has his whole family with him for such is their custom the lord remains encamped there until the spring and all that time he does nothing but go hawking round about among the canebrakes along the lakes and rivers that abound in that region and across fine plains on which are plenty of cranes and swans and all sorts of other fowl the other gentry of the camp also are never done with hunting and hawking, and every day they bring home great store of venison and feathered game of all sorts. Indeed, without having witnessed it, you would never believe what quantities of game are taken, and what marvellous sport and diversion they all have whilst they are in camp there. End of section 38. This recording is in the public domain.